Today's episode is brought to you by Sadie Harper of Interior Harmony. Grammy was a single mom. She worked full time for the Department of the Treasury. She used to count money. Mm-hmm. My grandma, my mom's mom, she mm-hmm. counted money at the Treasury. And but she was a single parent. So when you have a child in the '40s as a single parent, what do you yeah. do? Like yeah. the the there's not a daycare center that you drop them off at. There's not even in the 60s when gay was born it wasn't like it is now there's so much like there's so much development that has been done in these years that y'all have been alive but it's looking at it from that perspective of like we wanted and needed for nothing Mm -hmm. like they took their experiences and said we're not going to put our children in that position and they did everything in their power and then some to make sure that didn't happen. So it was this weird juxtaposition of, oh, that's like reading a book. I can't imagine what it would be like to live. Thank you for listening to the Girls Who Do Stuff podcast. Visit girlswhodostuff.com. You probably shouldn't Google that. Hello, 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 and welcome to the Girls Who Do Stuff podcast. I am Jenny Midgley. I am Sarah Madras. And this is a show where you come as you are with the courage to speak up and tell a better story. Y'all, I am smiling from ear to ear because our guest right now, she was breaking it down. Yeah, she was. When we had the intro music, she was dancing. She is. I love it. Yep. And so today on the show, we have my mama and my daddy. Phyllis and David Barman. That's Jenny's parents, by the way. Y'all. Yeah. That's- I think they know our voices by now. <laughs> like, no, you never know. <laughs> we have Jenny's parents on the show. Yeah. It's my, yeah. They are in their house because they literally haven't left their house since February in Maryland. Joining us via the amazingness of technology. Yes. Thank you, Joe. Thank you, Joe. Thank you, Joe. Thank you, Joe. <laughs> I get credit for all technology. All right. Yes. <laughs> And so what, So we had an unexpected opening. We had a guest that was scheduled for this slot who needed to reschedule. Mm-hmm. I said, what if we had my parents on? And Sarah was like, can um, you help me understand why? <laughs> <laughs> then when you voxered me back, you were like, give me a chance to think about that. Yeah. And then you voxered me back. And I listened to your voxer of all the reasons and your journey, like your parents' journey through entrepreneurship mm-hmm. and coming over here as immigrants. And, and I was like, uh, yes, we're having them on yeah. the show. That's an amazing story. We just do us and people around us are like looking and saying, oh my God, that's so incredible. And you're just like, but that's just my life. Like we don't always think about what other people are seeing and how other people are perceiving. So you guys are badasses. Do you know that? (laughs) What makes us a badass? Your whole story, (laughs) your journey in life and the impact that you've had, not just on her life, but... On the kids, the grandbabies, mm-hmm. and like the community at large through entrepreneurship. And I'm sorry, just the like guts to come over. <laughs> My dad is a not native born. They were sponsored by his aunt. They came over from my grandfather's Polish and they came over by way through France and, and Portugal during the Nazi invasion in France. And my, my mom is second generation because Grammy was born here. She was. Yeah. So Grammy was, they were in Milwaukee because that's where all the Germans went. So I'm dying to hear from your dad of what that experience was like. As, as a newborn? No, but throughout his life. I'm no. like growing up. No, throughout his life growing up. We left because when Hitler marched into Paris... On June the 4th, we were living in southern uh, France, Toulouse, where my dad had a successful business. He decided that we should pack up and leave Mm -hmm. because even though uh, Hitler had not marched into Toulouse, which is 400 miles uh, south of Paris, The French police were very anti-Semitic, so he decided to sell everything and pack up and leave with a couple other families. And at the same time, my mother was pregnant with us, and he sent her up to the mountains to deliver us. uh, You're a twin. (laughs) Yeah, I'm a twin. <laughs> He's not just talking about that was us. A good in clarification. The, in the, yes. Like himself in the plural. He's talking about he is he has a fraternal twin. Yes. By midwife. Mm-hmm. 
after we were born, we packed up and left with a couple other families and walked to the Spanish border mm-hmm. and waited to uh, enter Spain, where we were received. Initially, we were not received because they were not letting in any immigrants at the time. So after a couple weeks waiting at the border, we were finally let in. And actually, I don't know if it was a couple weeks or a couple days. I get different stories from different members of my family. Yep. And you did you mention your mother? You guys crossed the Pyrenees Mountains? Not yet. Oh, okay. We haven't gotten there yet. <laughs> okay. So anyway, as a side note, I was circumcised in Barcelona, and they had the whole Jewish community come out. Of course, it's a big thing in the Jewish religion. Yes. So after some trouble, uh, we finally booked passage on a freighter. And I almost died because of the circumcision. I got an infection. Well, wait, you forgot something. Oh, yeah, I forgot. About your father bribing the captain. You, the, he told the captain. Well, I don't know if they want to hear all that. I want to hear all this good stuff. Like, this is awesome. <laughs> okay. Yes. My father, when we arrived in Barcelona, he had my mother. And what well, before we arrived in Barcelona, we had across the Pyrenees by foot. Wow. Which was quite a feat. And you're, I, right, you're an infant. And you, wait, there's two infants. So your mom has two there's infants. Two newborns. Holy yeah. crap. Mm-hmm. Two newborns. And, two a, newborns. and a five-year-old. Wow. And then my older brother, who was five years old at the time, also was there. Wow. So it was quite a chore. Mm-hmm. Anyway, we made it to Barcelona. And after a while, we were let in. And my father put us up for the night somewhere, not sure where. And he went around from ship to try to book passage. And with the uh, limited funds that he had, one captain agreed to let him on board. Mm -hmm. Come tomorrow morning, 6 a.m. So we showed up the next morning. My mother with an infant in each hand and my father holding on to my older brother's hand and the captain's up on the bridge and we're down on the pier and he's looking down and he's crossed his arms and he says, "Uh uh-uh, we only agreed, you only paid for yourself. So after some crying spells from my mother and the newborns and my father pleading with him, he finally said, okay, come aboard. And it's not a cruise ship, mind you. Right. It's a freighter where everybody is packed in like sardines because everybody's trying to get out of Europe. Mm-hmm. This is 1940. Anyway, as I mentioned before, I incurred an infection from my circumcision and no clean water. Right. They didn't have diaper. What kind of diaper? How long were you on the how long were you on the boat for? I don't know. I guess as long as it takes. Because I thought Pop Up said three weeks. I was gonna yeah. say it's not like you just like cruising. No. Like he said, it's not a cruise ship and you're coming from Spain all the way across. Yeah, Portugal, all the way like you're crossing the Atlantic Ocean to right. go. Right. Yeah. So it took a couple weeks to get here. Meanwhile, because of the lack of sanitary conditions and diapers and whatever else newborns need, I incurred an infection and I almost didn't make it. Let me ask you a question because, man, how do you ever imagine or how different it would be if that captain had actually said no and not granted you access? Like then what? Like your life would be totally different. He wouldn't be alive. I would not be alive, probably. But that was... But just let that sink in for a second. Yeah. This is a topic that people don't like to talk about. It's heavy. You don't want to think about that time. And there's a lot of stuff that brings up, right? And it's also distant enough. We're talking 80 years ago. But it wasn't that long ago in the scheme of things. And so you have to look at if that captain didn't have that ounce of humanity in him Mm -hmm. to say, all right. Like, imagine who knows what went through his head if he was thinking of somebody that he knew or if Mm -hmm. he was going to turn away small children or what happened that triggered that 
allowance. And think of it too, like for your, if your dad would have made a different decision from the get go, he had a successful business And for him to make that decision of, I am going to leave this successful business behind. Thank goodness he had it so that he had the resources. People who weren't in that position, who didn't have a successful business, didn't have the resources. They were fleeing what with nothing yeah. to be able to say, please get me on this ship. Yep. And man, just the fact that your dad that he, made that yeah. decision to leave everything behind to put your safety number one and flee when they did. Because if he would have waited, maybe he wouldn't have been able to flee. So that... So All his those sisters, things had to fall into place so that you could be here right now. Yeah. And his sisters had already come over. Mm. So everybody else perished. But the sisters, his sisters and my grandfather came. Gotcha. Where I, like they were already here because they were sponsored by my Aunt Sylvia. Was, Wait, so everybody else died? So like the lineage only extended by who came over? Mm. Holy shit. Because they were in Poland. Because mm-hmm. this is the reality, right? This is what these so if they would have died on the ship theoretically there would yeah there'd be the lineage would have ended and the only people that were over here was your uh two aunts and your grandfather three aunts three aunts mm-hmm. and there's, there's five, Rose. five aunts oh five aunts oh okay. who am yeah. i missing wow yeah so there's six of them oh that's right because papa was there they yeah. had come over in 1929 and my father being the one, it was five sisters and one, one son. Mm-hmm. So my dad decided instead of the coming to the U.S. with the sisters, he went to lose to go to engineering school. So he was there for eleven years before Hitler marched into Paris. Yeah, mm-hmm. changed our course. There's so many what ifs. Look at the comparison to the situations, right? Of what's happening in current events, of turning right. immigrants away, yeah. of policies that lack humanity and things like that. This is the outcome 80 years later. You have someone who not only was resourceful enough to leave mm-hmm. in that environment and come over and start again because Pop Up didn't, like, he was a tailor. He went to engineering school, but he was a tailor. He started a business in Washington, D.C. He was also a successful entrepreneur and small business owner that left a legacy for his children Mm -hmm. that his grandchildren actually carried on. And my cousin sold it. It was still active until recent history where she sold it. Right. And you have this extension of all of these families that are making an impact within their communities. And that's my point. Yes. Is like that impact. Yes. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Yes. You're welcome. That's why we do this. The (laughs) ripple effect. Like y'all, I have goosebumps. So what was that like as a child growing up in the United States? um, As an immigrant child in the fifties and forties and fifties. Yep. It was very difficult. uh, One, because we're Jewish and it was a lot of anti-Semitism. In fact, we were not even allowed at the time to come into the U.S. because Roosevelt didn't want any more immigrants. And if it wasn't for a Jewish organization and my aunt, we wouldn't have made it. Mm-hmm. They wouldn't allow it. You had to prove that whoever was coming in was able to contribute. Mm-hmm. Yes, if you did not have a trade or a profession you were not allowed in. Plus, my aunt had to put up a thousand dollars. Wow, which in nineteen forty wow. money, 19, yes, yeah, today would be maybe a quarter of a million dollars. Wow. So she had to go to all of her aunts and try to get them to contribute. They were already in the U.S. at the time. All the sisters, yeah. All everybody pulled their funds, yeah, because that's what they did. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Well, so, it's equivalent to everybody pulling their funds now for attorneys t- for yeah to get for them immigration. Out of, yeah. Yes. Yep. For detention centers Correct. and ICE and yeah, there's this misconception that you can just show up at the border and be like, "Hey, I want to come I'm in. Coming I'm in. coming in. Yeah. No, like it's a big deal, and it's been a big deal for a long time. And there's a process. My takeaway from this has always been: I've always known what was at stake and what it took. It's never been a secret. We've always talked about it. 
in our family, like that I've known what was done. I knew what, what was at stake and I knew all the things that had to be. So then what impact did that have on you? Did it feel like extra pressure? Did it feel like I have to make the family proud? Cause this is a very proud legacy. Like my, and resiliency, you talk about resiliency, yep. like, yep. holy crap. Mm-hmm. So as a kid in that environment, like it's, it was a weird juxtaposition because we didn't want for anything. Like I knew, like you all talked about where y'all came from, which was what we would say today was it, they were living in poverty as children in growing up in that time, there was a lot of wanting and a lot of needing, right? For your needs to be met for both of you. Grammy was a single mom. She worked full time for the Department of the Treasury. She used to count money. Mm-hmm. My grandma, my mom's mom, she mm-hmm. counted money at the Treasury. And, but she was a single parent. So when you have a child in the 40s, as a single parent, what do you yeah. do? Like yeah. the, the, there's not a daycare center that you drop them off at. There's not even in the 60s when Gay was born. It wasn't like it is now. There's so much, <laughs> like there's so much development that has been done in these years that y'all have been alive. But it's looking at it from that perspective of like, we wanted and needed for nothing. Mm-hmm. Like they took their experiences and said, we're not going to put our children in that position. And they did everything in their power and then some to make sure that didn't happen. So it was this weird juxtaposition of, oh, that's like reading a book. I can't imagine what it would be like to live. How did knowing your history shape the decisions that you guys made? Me personally, growing up as a child was difficult for me because my parents, I wanted to know everything and my parents would not talk too much about their past, except while they were growing up. But but when when my uh, father came here, he had limited, he had no funds at all. He did have some jewelry that he had sewn into the lining of his jacket so it would not be confiscated at the border. So he had some, not uh, money per se, but that he could convert into money. Mm -hmm. Yep. So he had a series of businesses starting from, first of all, we didn't have any place to live. So we moved in with our aunt. And it was, that was very difficult because they had their own children. Mm -hmm. And here you have two babies. And she had four. And Mm -hmm. my mom. How old were Melvin and Leonard? Thank you. They were, well, Melvin is a few years older than, my cousin Melvin is a few years older than me. He was there. And Leonard is a year younger than me. He was there. Mm -hmm. So it was difficult. Mm -hmm. They were in a rented area, they had a grocery store in the ground level and sleeping arrangements upstairs. So everybody had to squeeze into an apartment meant for four people. So all of a sudden you had four more. Right. Five Five more. Yep. So it was very difficult. He's Uh, really good at math, I will say. (laughs) Yeah. So my father went through a series of businesses that he would buy very inexpensively. But he learned English right away. That's the first thing he did was yeah. He went to night school as my mother did to learn English and to get their citizenship. Mm -hmm. So he had a series of businesses that he would buy for pennies on the dollar. I think one of the early businesses he had is that he would buy um, distressed merchandise when a train has an accident and merchandise on the train is ruined, Mm -hmm. buy it for pennies on the dollar. Then he would bring it back to Washington and he had us kids. For instance, I'll give you an example. He would buy a whole barrel of green mint candy and he would have us kids separate them put them 12 in a box 
and then a layer on top of that, and then 12 more. And then he would personally go from wholesaler to wholesaler or retailer to retailer and sell them at full price. Because during the war, it was very short in supply, you know, candy mm-hmm. and everything else. So mm-hmm. he was very in a, like, totally innovative, innovative yeah. and resourceful oh, yeah. and mm-hmm. resilient in and of himself. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. To, and vision. And he had that, that vision of if I can take this and turn it into this, then yes. that's going to mean I get to feed my yes, family. The, the damaged merchandise from the train, I can turn around. Right. It's like when people buy stuff. And, and they right now called Extreme Unboxing. It's the, exactly that. Really? They're buying pallets of returned goods, like they're pallets. You can go watch it on TLC. It's called an, or A&E, maybe, Extreme Unboxing. And they buy, like, they get these pallets delivered. They may buy a pallet for $1,700 mm-hmm. and then be able to sell and turn a profit to, like, double, triple that. Right. Or they lose money. Like, it's like the storage wars, right? Like, yeah. you go and buy the storage locker and maybe you'll be able to put things in a thrift store or sell them somewhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He, brilliant. He was, yeah, yeah, he was brilliant. Yep. That was before his time. Before, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he was always thinking ahead. He was. Yep. That's why he was very upset when the kids, we were like maybe five or six at the time, while we were separating the good from the bad candy, we would take some of our profit and eat it. <laughs> he would place us around the top floor and say, you can't do that. Yep. <laughs> well, I don't think he would say you can't do that. He'd say, give me here and give me your ass so I can beat it. <laughs> Except in, in Polish or Yiddish would probably be what was coming out of his mouth. <laughs> do you think that your attitude towards being your own vis- business owner versus working for someone else? Like, where do you think that came from? You went to University of Maryland at College Park, but you didn't finish, right? I did. And did Uncle Leon go to college? I'm sorry. Did Uncle Did. Leon go to college? Oh, Leon started college, but he was more of a my older brother Leon. He was very good looking, and he was more of a playboy. <laughs> he 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 won a scholarship to George Washington University, but he didn't go. He wanted so, to. It was just his excuse to get the only car in the family. <laughs> Carouse yeah. around with the girls. He was very popular with the girls. He was a ladies' man. Uncle Leon would, whenever he would call the house, and I would answer the phone. It didn't like this started when I was like seven or eight. It wasn't like an age-appropriate thing. He would tell me a dirty joke <laughs> every time. I, didn't know that. I would I answer the either. phone. Yeah. Look at your mom. Did you see her reaction? Yes, I did. That was <laughs> fantastic. Telling us now. Well, you can't yell at him. But what are you no. gonna do? Go dig him up and Bring chase him around? Why should you do that? <laughs> But yeah, every time he would, I would answer the phone and he would tell me a dirty joke and then say, and then wait for me to be like, Uncle Leon, and then go get me, go get your dad. I want to talk to him. Oh my gosh. Love it. (laughs) So let me recap. So born. She's clutching her pearls, y'all. Right. Midwife delivers you and let's just be honest, high stress environment where it's hurry up, have these babies because we got to escape. Like we have to flee. Get on the ship. Almost have to bribe, beg, plead. Please Mm -hmm. get on the ship. Almost die on the ship. Get over here. Your dad is starting these businesses and turning money, things like that. You grow up in that environment. You decide, okay, I'm not going to go to college and get my full degree. You become an entrepreneur yourself. Tell us about your entrepreneurship journey. I'm Sadie Harper, owner of Interior Harmony, offering interior design services for the Triangle area since 2009. I specialize in room plans and design style assessments for the room which just will not come together, customized to your individual tastes and budgets. I love mixing design styles and sourcing unique fabrics for one-of-a-kind custom upholstery, bedding, and window treatments. The end result? A room which looks and functions the way you want and need. Your home is your canvas. Show your style. To set up your consultation, email me at design at interiorharmony-nc.com. Let's rewind, though, because they were high school sweethearts. Okay, okay. And you love those stories. I do love those stories. So (laughs) tell us about how, well, and it. so here's the funny thing, though. My mom was also very popular. Of course. I know. Like, and she turned my dad down of her. to get a date with her. He had to yes. wait six months to get a date yes. with her. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you going, took her going with somebody else. Right. You took her to your prom. So do you remember the first time you laid eyes on her? 
Oh, I do. Yes, tell us that story, please. <laughs> the first time I got up enough nerve to talk to her, it was a rainy day at the bus stop. And this uh, boy that I knew, Danny Abood, which I did not get along with and I did not like him, and it was raining, and Phyllis was under an umbrella with him at the bus stop. So I went up to him, put my arm around him, and I said, Hey, Danny, how you doing? Because I wanted to be near her. Introduced to her because I was too chicken to introduce myself. So we get on the bus and I start talking to Phyllis. And later on, she said she was very disappointed because she thought I was Greek. And I was, and she was Jewish. She was excited about going out with somebody that was a different religion. <laughs> and never mind that that's a thing. People think that my father is like Italian or Greek yeah, right, or right. I could see like that. I could Southern see Mediterranean. That. Yeah. Like it's a thing. And he, he, then they're like, <laughs> it's totally deflating. No, I'm a Polak and I'm a Jew. <laughs> you are not French, for Pete's sake. I, it's I was been, this born is, in France. That right. gave me the privilege of... Yeah. You can say I was born in France, but your lineage is Polish. No, that's true. In <laughs> fact, yeah. up to a certain age, I was afraid that I would be recalled to go to France to fight for the in the French army mm. because... Mm. I thought like in the U.S., if you're born in the U.S., you have an obligation to go into the army, not an obligation like in Israel. When you turn 18 in Israel, you have an obligation to go Mm -hmm. into the army. Mm -hmm. I I talked to a Belgian diplomat who said, nope, both of your parents have to be born in France in order for you to be obligated to go into the French army. And I was right. in my thirties. And because I, to be French, you'd have to yeah, have Yeah, but he had that French fear until parents. in his thirties. Yeah. Wow. Because okay. So Phyllis, why did you deny him? Other, why than, were he, you other like, than he wasn't Greek. Why were you like, <laughs> why did you make him wait? How did, for, but it was more than six months because y'all, I mean, he's two years ahead of you. Yeah. But the thing is that you dated upper classmen and it was a big that time, thing, and you, at the time in high school, you dated many people. You didn't just date one, unless you were really going with them. And I um, just was dating several other people, and then I was dating just one, and and then another one, and then another one. Kind of like a serial dater or something. Like dating then meant actually like going on a date. Like it wasn't like. But you weren't going steady. Going steady meant you were like exclusive. Right. Now, I did go steady several times. Quite a few times. (laughs) And uh, each time I went steady, of course, I got all upset when we broke up. But then there was someone else around the corner. So. You literally had a waiting list, right? Dad <laughs> like, has already said that. Please, can we post pictures of your mom from back then, please? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so for their 50th wedding anniversary, what we did was I got, I, I blew up a, a portrait of them at dad's prom because he took her to prom yep. and side by side with it? a picture. Should I bring I'm, a picture of it over and show you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go get it, and then and then side by side with a picture from one of Nicholas's birthday parties, and of the two of them because it was like a sweet. A not at the prom, <laughs> he was drunk at the party. I know, I got that at the, at his grandson's <laughs> birthday party, and I got a, a frame mat, and I had everybody sign the mat as mm-hmm. part of the gift, so yep. we had it framed and. So but, your mom was a looker yeah. and she had a line of guys wanting to go study with her. She did. But you won out. He you did. You won. So how did you manage to win? Not, not until much later. Here, Dad, move over. Dad, move oh. over so mom okay, can show. So this is the one. Can you see it at all? Yep. Yes. Yes. That's school. a good can dress too. No, a little bit over to your left, mama. That's there a really yep. awesome dress too. Yep. You I are love, a looker. I loved it. I got it. Beautiful at blonde hair. You got it where? At Learners. At Learners. Love she it. remembers. That's because it's a beautiful dress. At Learners. Right. That's where I picked her up eleven o'clock at night 
and took her to a rabbi. They're going to get to their elopement story. For 50 years. Yeah. I love it. You guys are so cute. I know, aren't they? We're going to have to put that up so our listeners can see it too. Yeah, I I have. Yeah, so they, that was it because that was the closest to like the best picture we had closest to their actual 50th because we were surprising with them with that. That was at Nicholas's second birthday party, which was in January of the year that they celebrated. So wait, how did you win? How did you win her heart? I didn't win her heart until after I, after high school, I went into the Marines but then I was dating Joel. Yeah, she was dating a college <laughs> student at the time, which I was very upset about. So we communicated while I was in boot camp. Mm-hmm. Oh my God. And I sent her a letter that I have a very important question to ask you when I come home, <laughs> when I get out of boot camp. Yep. And I was so scared to ask her the real reason. So I asked her, I said, I want to ask you out. (laughs) That was the important question. I want to ask you out on a date. And you were all in, like he was smitten. Yeah. He like, he waited for two years. Like that's commitment. That's love right there. Of like, I will wait for you. And then, and then two years This is a movie. They need their movie. (laughs) And then, but so now, so, so the other thing was that my grandmother hated him. Hated him. Oh. Which was still. No. Why did she hate him though? So it was more, it wasn't so much that it was that my mom was her world. And so she any man, she didn't want anybody man. coming in and breaking okay. that relationship and taking right. mom away. So it so wasn't him. She would hate anybody. She would. It would. Yeah. But it was something that I recognized even like into my childhood. Wow. The resentment was still there. Wow. Like they still had this energy mm-hmm. that was combatant. Mm-hmm. And and I remember being I don't remember how old I was, but I remember learning the story and or hearing the story again as I got older about how they eloped and we'll get to that in a minute. But and then recognizing how sad my grandmother must have been mm-hmm. and recognizing that it was coming from pain because the elopement probably broke her heart. Hold on. So now we're going to tell the story. So dad picked up mom. My only daughter. Well, yeah. We wanted to give her one more chance to give us a wedding because we we wanted to get married. We'd been talking about it for six months, eight months. And she said she would. She said she would. And then we had a big argument and she said, I would never give you a wedding, even if he were the last man on earth. To me. <laughs> yep. And Do you think that was one of her like deepest regrets of I, how that played out? I don't know. I think in the end, you two got along well. Oh, of course know. we did. Well, but yeah, that, you got along. But got yeah, married. I mean. Oh, yeah. I won yeah. her well, over completely. <laughs> Because you are a patient that, man. Said after I just continue said. Continue to chip away. Said after your youngest <laughs> child says, oh, and by the way, I remember as a kid, those two being at each other's throats. Like, you may well, have won her no, over, but, but she still held it against you. On, but but do you think she held it against them or she felt regret within herself? I don't know. And she couldn't forgive herself. I don't know. But we have to no. But y'all have to hear the elopement story because it's okay. so good. Okay. So go ahead. Sorry. So oh, my God. Dad so, picked her up. At so Grammy wouldn't give them a wedding. So we just to I don't know whether in spite or whatever we decided we're just going to have to do this on our own. And so we no, before made, that I didn't I didn't I never asked her oh, that's to marry right. me. Wait, so one of the arguments she had with me. Grammy, oh, yes, okay, well this is afterwards. She said, "Oh, don't worry about the wedding." You said to your mother, "He doesn't love me anyway." And I just, I never said that to anybody in my life that I love you, not even mm. dating girls. So, well, maybe you didn't love them. No, I didn't. But, you know, <laughs> to get my way, I, you would say anything. <laughs> so, anyway, <laughs> so I just blurted out. I don't know where it came from the far reaches of my mind. I said, Of course, I love you. And then I said, Oops. <laughs> and that's when we decided that we were going to get married. And so anyway, so I we decided that finally we're just going to elope. So I pick her up at Learners, which is a, a woman's shop in which is now defunct in Washington. And she got off at, at uh, what, nine it o'clock, was, yeah. had to wait till she 
cleaned up everything and put the merchandise away. And then we went to a rabbi about uh, 20 miles away in Bowie. 11 o'clock at night, we got married. But the, here's the thing, because we're Jews, right? So there's a thing when you're Jewish that there has to be 10 men over the age or who have already been through a bar mitzvah, which is the, the Jewish transition. It's called a minyan. Mm -hmm. And it's these 10 men who stand to witness, and that's what makes it legit. All right? So the rabbi had to go wake up. People yes, people he's like oh God, the bird is to back. stand as a minion. So please tell me witness. they were standing in their pajamas. You guys, this needs to be a movie. I'm not <laughs> joking. I was in shock. So, I don't remember anything don't because <laughs> when he goes to the ritual of what he says, repeat after me. And this rabbi had a European accent, so he gets to the point where he says, "Be thou mine, wife." repeated after him beat that and i had a bite almost my tongue was bleeding because he was so nervous that yes. he literally just Being repeat exactly. after me okay be thou my wife <laughs> oh, oh my god i love it and then and then on the way back <laughs> neither one of us said a word to each other it was like what the heck did we and do? you think we would go and consummate the marriage no i took her back to her apartment <laughs> and, and we didn't <laughs> And then did you blurt it out during that fight? Of, well, we're already no, married. She did. That is legitimate. That's exactly what happened. We wanted to give her a chance to give us a wedding. And again, she she <laughs> said she would she never says, do never. that. And then I just said, well, that's just fine because we're already married. She, I don't think she believed us at first. But then I called you, I remember, and you came I came over, and, and we had to spend hours convincing her that it was okay, everything's going to be fine, because she did. She still didn't want me to right. take her yeah, I Actually, home. that's right. She wanted me to stay. To stay. But we're married. She's been <laughs> staying here while we've been married for too long now. <laughs> and at some point... During, all right, so that was what, like three months after you guys got married, that Grammy, that you had this fight, and then dad took her away. But somewhere in there, they did end up consummating their relationship and conceiving my sister. Oh, gotcha. Because Hallelujah. if you do the math, if you do the math, my it's sister like was born birth. February <laughs> right. of 1964, and they got married in April of 1963. So when you do the math, so at that point, so she was conceived while they were still living apart. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> but married. get together. You finally take her away. And then Aunt Sylvia gave you the wedding party, right? Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So the his dad's sister that had sponsored, that sponsored them, them over. Yeah. Oh, that's so, kind of beautiful. Yeah. I like mm -hmm. the, the cyclicalness mm -hmm. of that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All righty. I know. We're running. It's so good, though. It is. I know. Damn. It is. And then they... When you guys come to town, we have to go out to dinner together. I'd love to do that. Yeah. Oh. Yes. Yeah. Because there's so there's a lot more to this story and I like know I want to hear more but I, I can't we're running out of time we're gonna have <laughs> them come back there's um, all of the the stuff that they chose that they because they were able to right that things right. that they didn't have when they were young mm -hmm. and the support that they gave to others because they were foster parents through for babies they took in unwed teenage pregnant girls mm -hmm. through Catholic charities they had a program so and that was even after I was. Well, like I remember yeah. being a teenager and having these girls in the well, house. Well, and that's all the ripple effects that wouldn't have happened. Yeah. Okay. And we're gonna just the, have to do a part two. And my adoption and and how that came to be how mm -hmm. that came to be. All the babies that I was exposed to and all really? that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um and uh, so there is that huge ripple effect that you don't yep. see. And I think that it's really go home and or pick up if you're already home, it's COVID. Hello. You're already home listening to this. I don't know what I'm saying. So go pick up the phone and call an older relative. Yeah. Hear your history. Hear the history. Hear the story. Because I think if anything, because of those stories, right? Because of the stories of learning to laugh at yourself. Because remember the last episode, I mm -hmm. said there was a family member that shit himself in the elevator. Yes. That's him. Yay. <laughs> so you hear the stories, right? Oh, wait. That reminds me. We have oh. to ask him about the weeds picking up the, the weeds. <laughs> So our last episode, the lead into this episode, we decided to do three things that we've learned from our parents. So that's, so the episode that we recorded before this and that will be aired before this episode now, we did three things we learned from our parents. And one of the things was 
that I said was to learn to laugh at myself. And because I grew up hearing these stories of embarrassing stories, instances. (laughs) And one of the things that I brought up was the story of gay laying in the grass picking weeds (laughs) when dad. So our question is. Did you actually know that she came or that she was drunk? She was not picking weeds and you just chose to ignore it because it was early in the morning and you didn't feel like parenting? He had no no idea. I I told you. It was like seven o'clock in the morning. I'm getting ready to go to work. And she comes in the back door a little disheveled. And I asked, I said, good morning. What are you doing up so early? She said, I was in the back picking weeds. And I said, oh, that's nice. She is that legitimately like, and y'all think this is not like it is. It is that innocent. I told them the Hyman story. (laughs) Hi, my name is Jaime. Hyman. And also you would have heard us allude to the fact that they have a parrot. The parrot laughs exactly like her. So there's like an echo of the laughter. It's fantastic. Yeah. So one, yeah, there's just a lot of funny Mm-hmm. stories of the well, time I, that my dad was like driving the RV across country and my mom flashed half of the highway. Oh my God. Oh my God. Right. Yeah, that's a true it, story. I wonder if yeah. because truck she turned the wrong way. That's awesome. And that's put her awesome. ass on the window. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of, and I want listeners to walk away with the takeaway of the impact that our lives can have. And one thing shifting can alter that, can have that butterfly effect. And so to look at people with compassion and with generosity and that not allowing immigrants into this country, the negative ripple effects that it can have because you guys had such a positive impact and all the things that you did and the community impact that you had. And that would have never happened if you wouldn't have been made it across the ship and made it out alive. So we are grateful that you are alive mm-hmm. and that you guys have these stories to tell. Uh-huh. Who are we? <laughs> and because, and part of the other reason I said that y'all are like our our biggest fans, and it's true. It's also helped shape our relationship. We're only eight months into this podcast, and it's I see, and I think part of that is also COVID, right? Like that we're being much more intentional about making sure that we do things like Zoom calls and FaceTime and, mm-hmm. and things like that. But I love hearing their response to what we do. And she always makes sure to be like, oh, we listen to this and we love this. And like very, mm-hmm. I'm just grateful for all that too. Yep. Mm-hmm. Oh, we're grateful oh. you do it. Mm-hmm. And See? we enjoy Thanks. it too. Very much. Yeah. And we yeah. learn from it. Yay. Oh, good. Then that's like mission complete. You I know, know what right? I mean? Yes. Right? We're going to, yeah. Lightning totally. round. Totally. Let's do it. So on the Girls Who Do podcast, we do this fun thing called the lightning round where we rapid fire questions at you and you say the first thing that comes to your mind. Oh. Are you ready? So this is an audio program. So nodding your head does not <laughs> translate. Sure. Yes, you can pick your nose. Yes. You can't pick your friend's nose, though. All right. What is the number one thing on your bucket list? What is yours? No, you don't think girls do. Oh, to get out in normalcy again and see my family and hug my children and grandchildren. I I just, it's not a big deal, but it's the biggest deal. Yes. Ain't that the truth? Amen. That's her bucket list, y'all. That makes complete sense. Mm -hmm. Yes. Oh, Lord. How do you unwind? I read, and that's how I unwind. What about you, Dad? Or go, or go for outside. How do I unwind? If you would like me to insert an answer here, he goes and sits in his chair in the basement and watches Judge Judy. <laughs> we do have Judge Judy. I exercise by unwinding. <laughs> gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. He's a big exerciser. Love, Love mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. What is the best advice you've ever been told? For me, and I think it's when your dad was in the midst of a heart attack and neither one of us even thought about heart attack. We, we just thought it was severe indigestion, but it got worse. And I called Eileen And she said, yeah, my friend and neighbor. And she said, you might want to call the doctor an ambulance. And then for some reason, Gay called 
I didn't call her. My she sister. called me and I yeah. told her about it. And she said, Mom, you call an ambulance right this minute. As soon as we hang up and I'm going to hang up now and you call an ambulance now. She was really adamant about it. Mm-hmm. And that's what I did. And he was having what's called a widowmaker's heart attack. So this was the, I did talk about it. I already described that he was watching American Idol and doing the dishes and was refusing to get in the ambulance. Exactly. Refusing to allow you to call the the ambulance. When they came. Oh, even when EMT came, (laughs) I refused to accept that I was having a heart attack. It says, oh, I just need to go to bathroom. That's so funny. You know how men men are. Yes. (laughs) Um, It's, yeah, it's funny. Oh, sorry. If you could go back and advise yourself in the past, what age would you go to and what would you say to yourself? Oh, my goodness. (laughs) You want me to answer that? I think I would tell my child self to have confidence in myself and to listen to people that are older than me and wiser than me and follow their advice and really just listen more and, and take it in. Just Mm -hmm. that's what I would do. What, what's your dad's answer? And I would do the same thing. Listen to my parents more when I was younger, when I didn't, especially Mm -hmm. my mother, she passed away at an early age and I was very regretful about not listening to her. She lost her whole family in the Holocaust. Mm -hmm. And I just did not listen attentively enough as I should have. That's the only regret I have. Gotcha. What What do you want your legacy? Yeah, what do you want your legacy to be? Just inserted that. Like you didn't have to whisper. (laughs) I wanted it to be your question. I know. I was like, I was thinking and trying to pick the question and it was too much and I'm overwhelmed and you just asked the question. What do you want your legacy to be? I want my legacy to be that that I have given to my children and grandchildren a love of all the creatures that share the planet with us. Yes. And that is what you want your legacy to be because she likes animals better than people. I, I can see why people, <laughs> I can see why you would do that. Uh, and I also want my legacy to be that by doing, by having that respect for the planet will sustain them Mm -hmm. and they will grow up in in a world that is safe, in a world that is clean and and, and that will have a beautiful planet Mm -hmm. to Mm -hmm. continue Mm -hmm. living in. Yep. Yeah. Dad, what about you? What do you want your legacy to be? Uh, I want my legacy to be to not be afraid to do what you want to do, even if you are afraid to. And uh, I think your legacy is secure, guys, because that's who that's she's sitting right here, and that's who she is. <laughs> and those are the kids she's raising. So I think your legacy is like you're in good hands. Yeah, you you're can accompli- check that off yeah. your list. You've accomplished it. Oh, that's done. great. Thank yeah. you, Jenny. You're welcome. <laughs> uh, what is something that no one knows about you? About me? <laughs> I don't know. Who are we talking to today? I thought you were talking to Phyllis. Something that nobody knows about me? I'm a chicken at heart. I don't think anybody knows that. You're, that you're afraid of things, but you right, do them anyway? Right, yeah. through anyways. I have a yep. lot of phobias. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, probably from growing up in my environment and and talking to other people that believe that it can be transmitted in utero from because my mother was very frightful from the get go. Mm-hmm. We that's another there was some yeah. mental health Interesting. Um, yeah. stuff there too. No, so. that makes sense. That makes sense. Yeah. Mom, what is something no one knows about you? I can't think of anything because I think everybody knows everything about me. I've been such a darn open book. I'm listening. You are a, you, you do verbal vomit. You do. I will say, so there's a running joke that like, if you want, if you don't want somebody to know something, don't tell mom and dad. Gotcha. That's our thing. Like they will share it. Like my dad will see people wearing Syracuse university gear on the street and be like, Oh, my daughter went to Syracuse. Did you go to Syracuse? Right. You're like, 
it and it's they could they're be in, proud they of could you. be in like Guadalajara and see somebody wearing like hey do you know Jenny Barman she went to Syracuse proud <laughs> of you they, no it's not no but it's not but it's I'm just using that as an yes, example but that's I like know. what they like it's great and it's great to watch it play out when you're not the subject yeah yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah so if you if your life had a theme song what would it be had a theme song my god what the world needs now is love sweet what about you dad <clears throat> I think I like the same one. Can you think yes. of something different? He's like no, he's one. no, I like that one. Yeah. <laughs> you don't want Debbie Boone in there or Rosemary Clooney or. Oh, that's right. Thank you for reminding me. Debbie Boone, you light up my life. Mm-hmm. There you go. Mm-hmm. Love it. Yep. So thank you guys for taking the time to sit you. with us and to share your stories and insights mm-hmm. into our lovely co-host here. Yeah. Thank you for having us. Thank you. And thank you guys for always listening. Oh, yes. yes. And being okay. our number one fan. Yes. Oh, I mean, we'll listen to the same one several times. You Love have it. to so that dad can get all the words. That's right. <laughs> yes. Yes. But listen, yeah. So thank you all. Thank you both so much for joining us today. And um, thank you listeners for indulging us and in listening to the, the we hope origin stories. Inspiring to you as I well. I hope so too. They yep. are very inspiring. They are. Yeah. Yep. There's a lot of when you know where you come from. Oh, there's um, so much it power gives you, in that. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yep. It is extremely empowering. Yep. So you know what you can stand on to grow. Yep. Yep. So. Now everybody right. that's listening is going to hit up an- Ancestry.com. So we are not affiliated with it, but perhaps right. we should get on that. Maybe that could be our next sponsorship. <laughs> hey, we're going to do this whole series. Anyway. Yeah. So go find us wherever you listen to podcasts, rate us. That helps other people find us. You can find us on Instagram and on Facebook, Girls Who Do Stuff. That's all I That's got That's all we today. got for today, folks. Yep. So I am Jenny Midgley. I am Sarah Madras. And, and you, you do, do you, boo. We love making this stuff for you. You can help us out by subscribing to this podcast and follow us on social media. 